It is baseball opening day 2020. Welcome to Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. <laughs> I'm Sid the Kid along with my co-host, the creator and founder of Second City Sports, Miss Lakina McGee. Lakina, how are you doing this week? Doing doing pretty doing pretty good, you know, these last few days. You know, I've been very busy, but but I'm here, you know, ready to talk sports once again. And how are you, Sid? I'm doing good. So if you're watching on Zoom, I'm wearing my uh, Jose Abreu jersey <laughs> backwards. Uh, uh, it's opening day weekend, even though we as fans cannot be in the stands to witness it, we're still going to make the best out of it. So television ratings, as we said the last few weeks, Lakina, for all these sporting events are going to go up, especially if the competition is at a high level. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. You can follow me at Kina McGee on Twitter and at Kina underscore McGee on the Instagram. So let's start with the baseball talk. Both the Cubs and Sox are playing tonight. And look, this is going to be very interesting, Sid, because we saw last night with the Yankees Nationals and the Giants Dodgers games, if you saw how it was set up, they had nobody in the stands over over at Nationals Park, although I think the only people that were there were Dr. Fauci, a friend, and his wife. Well, his, no, Dr. Fauci, his wife, and a friend of his, a colleague of his. Mm -hmm. And then over at Dodger Stadium, they had, like, cub work cutouts of people, various, like, famous people from Los Angeles and whatnot. So it's going to be interesting to see how all this is set up over at Wrigley and over at, at uh, cell, uh, Cellular Field. So what, do you, what, do you, what are you expecting from, like, from the fan standpoint, how everything's going to be set up? I know at Sox Park, they're going to have mannequins uh, down the first and third baselines. And, of course, if you watch their last two exhibition games, they had uh, mannequins of fans behind home plate, especially in those scout seat areas. So uh, I expect them to do the same thing. Of course, all the proceeds go to, to Sox Charity, so they do a, a great job. I don't know what they're going to do over at Wrigley, if they're going to have mannequins or not. I was going to ask you, Lakini, did you see this tweet yesterday? I retweeted it with a comment. Uh, my, with a question myself, but I didn't get any answer. Fox Sports, which is supposed to start their coverage of Major League Baseball this weekend, they said they're going to have virtual fans, so it looks like it's going to be a, a sellout. I'm interested to see how this works, and if it does, will other networks like NBC, ESPN will take this up? And I wanted to, if the Fox is, is going to stick with this, especially if people like it, assuming that we don't have any fans to start the NFL season. Well, if you saw the, we just, we talked before, before we started, said that if you saw the NBA scrimmages, that's how they've been doing it. They've been having monitors with like virtual fans from, you know, going back, blinking back and forth. So to make it look like there were actually people in the stands. So I wouldn't be surprised if you start, if we you see this, you know, you're probably going to see it in some stadiums, maybe not say all stadiums, but probably I'm sure some stadiums will probably have that type of setup, but we'll see if the networks decide to do it. I mean, Foxes, you know, <laughs> you know Jopa kind of like let the, let the cat out of the bag. They might think they don't want to do the, the whole pumping in the crowd noise because I think that might be a little bit too artificial. So they figure, I guess they figure like doing the fans, like the, the virtual fans through the monitors, I guess it's probably like the most realistic. So I'm wondering that, you know, we'll, we'll see how the other networks do it. I'm sure Fox already said they're going to do it. We don't really necessarily know what ESPN is going to do because if you saw yesterday, I guess it's going to depend on like the, individual ball ballparks you know mm -hmm. they had the cardboard cutouts you know they didn't really have many people in the stands over at national park so it'll be just see you know going through each of these you know ballparks around the country how are they going to do this sort of like make it look like there is some type of atmosphere going on i, I noticed too in both ballparks watching the, the games on thursday night with the nationals and yankees and then with the dodgers and giants that that both those ballparks and i uh, saw something on Twitter this morning regarding the Cubs. Uh, certain parts of the outfield and certain sections are tarped up to sell advertisers. As we all know, that the NFL is going to tarp off the first eight rows uh, to sell advertising, which is uh, great for them on their part because they're $30 billion industry every year annually. So uh, baseball, uh, along with these other sports, has to get creative with advertising because we all know they're not going to have fans in the stands um, maybe for the rest of the year in some of these leagues 
maybe baseball will have some come playoff time. It depends on what state, uh, some, how some of these states' cases of, of COVID-19, hopefully they improve. But uh, as we said all along, th- these, these teams and these uh, leagues have to get or organize and be creative on how to sell the game to their fans since it's not going to be fans and fans for the foreseeable future. And we'll see if the SLA does this. I mean, we know the Carrier Dome does this a lot, you know, tarping off, you know, certain sections of their, of their you know, domes and their stadiums. So it'll be interesting to see, like, how they're going to set all this up. I mean, will each network, you know, do it? You know, Fox has already said they're going to do it, like I just said. Um, if ESPN or maybe CBS, NBC, we'll see how the other networks decide to do it. I'm sure it's probably going to leave it up to, like, the individual stadiums and ballparks. So. This is, this is going to be sort of the new norm, I guess, for at least the rest of the calendar year. Mm-hmm. I think this might be something that you're probably going to have to get used to seeing. Yeah, as we said before, all these networks present their sports like a TV show, especially when it comes to football. So this is another way to do it. If it helps ratings go up like, we, like they expect, this is going to be, like you said, the new norm for the rest of the year. These networks had to be creative and had, had to present their – their uh, sports telecast in a different form because there are no fans in the stands. We'll see what happens if it works or not. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very interesting. I mean, look, look, you if you watch the you know, the MLS and both the Premier League soccer, they don't have anybody in the stands, but it actually worked. You could see, you heard, a, you know, some swear words in <laughs> some of those matches. Same thing at the NBA scrimmages. I think I don't know who was that they caught. I think it was Mello that they caught cursing. <laughs> so I mean that, that's sort of like kind of like you know like the the big sort of like decision that you make. I mean, do you take your chances and hope you're like on a three to five second delay so that you can catch the players or the coaches saying those swear words, or you're gonna try to maybe do the pump in the crowd noise. You're gonna do the virtual um stand virtual you know audiences in the stands so it's gonna be interesting to see how all these networks sort of and all the and all the, the stadiums and the ballparks do this because this is gonna get you know very interesting and i'm sure i'm sure the ratings for last those those last night double header on espn i'm sure those ratings were high for what i read the nba you know the scrimmages and have on nba tv excuse me have a rate pretty rated pretty high too so i think the appetite is there i think people want to see sports back i mean Look, if you if, look, if you have to have like cardboard cutouts, you know, so be it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, the games themselves, the Cubs host Milwaukee, while the White Sox will host Minnesota. So, you know, this is gonna really for all of you, you know, who are not aware, it's gonna be mostly divisions playing each other. You know, they're gonna be maybe a few sort of, you know, little you know, things here and there that maybe like outside, just going inside the central, like the AL is going to put the NL Central, AL West, NL West, mm-hmm. NL East, AL, AL East, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So this going to be just see how all this is going to play out because we've been talking about this for the last few weeks, the 60 game sprint, if you will. How are, you know, what teams, you know, is going to be able to take advantage of this shortened season? We've been talking about for the last few weeks, but, you know, what do you think? Now for the White Sox, they're a young team. Uh, they're constructed to do some damage for the foreseeable future. They, according to many people, they are conformed to do some damage right now in terms of wins. And uh, they are picked as maybe to be one of the surprise teams in Major League Baseball. Uh, as I as I talked about it before, I'm concerned with the starter pitching now that Michael Kopech ha- has opted out to not play this season. But you still have depth in the rotation. They have Lucas Giolito. Carlos Rodon is returning from Tommy John surgery. You still have Dylan Cease, and you brought over Gian Gonzalez via trade during the offseason. So I I think that the Sox rotation is still pretty good, but I want to see how they're used, especially during the first three weeks of the season because we all know that in a normal spring training year, the pitchers catch up to hitters because uh, the hitters don't usually hit well in the cold in April and May. In May, Now that the weather is hot and we're toward the end of July now, uh, batters usually heat up. And as you watch very carefully throughout these summer camp games throughout the league, offense is going up, including the White Sox. So I'll be interested to see how these bullpens, including the Sox, how they are being used going on later in the games. And, of course, we, if, we, 
if your game goes into extra innings, it will start off with a runner at second base to start off the tenth inning. Also, the, the universal DH. That's going to be very interesting to see. With like like we said on, on Monday's pod with Jason, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see which teams can take advantage of that universal DH. So, I'm 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 wondering like, okay, who will have the bigger advantage? You know, when it comes to the universe to the universal DH, if you will. So, you know. It's, no more John Lester batting. I know I'm sure he doesn't. He's not too crazy about that rule, but I think for him, especially you know in the, his advanced age of his career, I guess probably his best best probably just stick you know concentrate on his pitching. But it's gonna be interesting to see how these teams kind of like you know how this is gonna be laid out with the as you say like you know, the the universal DH like which teams will be able to take advantage. That's why I think the Cubs will probably be right there competing in their division because they got Schwarber who's like the quintessential designated hitter so I think you know teams like the Cubs are probably going to be able to take the most advantage of this whole and this whole new rule all right so um <clears throat> so I want to talk about like the the playoffs this new playoff format could be what what's we'll this six- pre- well will be prevalent too but I, if you the Cubs uh they started pitching uh it, it looks good on paper but uh, is getting a little old than the two led by John Lester. Kyle Hendricks didn't look that great in that in that summer camp game against the White Sox, but I'm not going to put all the stock into that. But if if you're a Cubs fan, you really have to be worried about that bullpen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because that, that bullpen was a big issue for them last year, and you know, they'll be interesting that 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 bullpen get any get a little bit better. Um, and the White Sox, Sox. I mean. Like I've been saying, I'm a little worried about their defense. Their defense, I mean, we know they can hit, and, you know, they can hit out of the park, you know, everywhere. But like I said, their defense is a big problem. I'm a little worried about them. I think that's, you know, that, that's another thing that I think that should worry some fans a little bit. But it'll be interesting to see, like, what kind of start do they get at because of their – if they don't lose games because of their defense, like, like what happened – ended up happening last year. Yeah, two players in particular for the White Sox, Tim Anderson and Eloy Jimenez. Both of them have to pick it up defensively. Tim Anderson can make uh, the spectacular plays, but the easy plays at times, the routine plays, sometimes he struggles with that. But hopefully he can put it all together on the field. Now, at the plate, I know he's the defending AL batting champ, but at the plate, hopefully he, he can put some consistency into that. I'm not looking for him to be a power hitter, but uh, if he can uh, – get uh, get on base and create havoc, that's going to go a long way for the White Sox. Now, as far as Eloy Jimenez is concerned in left field, I don't expect him to be a gold glove, glover, even though it, that would be nice. I just want him to play solid defense. And I think with a rookie, Luis Robert, in center field, that would help him a lot as well. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, his, look, we know he can hit. I mean, we'll see if he can, you know, field. But, yeah, I, I think, look, Look, I mean, again, it's it's hot. I mean, they should be able to score runs, so it probably maybe if they has a have a big enough lead, that def- the defense probably wouldn't even make too much of a difference. Yeah, that's something something that's just something to think about. Um like you know, I was talking about the playoff, the new playoff formats that they just announced yesterday. Sixteen mm-hmm. teams, you know, this I think there's gonna be like I guess the way they're setting up is gonna be like there may be some third place teams <laughs> that might be able to get into the playoffs. So uh what do you think are the with this new playoff format that's going to be you know filtering out this year? Do you think one or both teams have a better shot at getting in? Well, speaking selfishly as a Sox fan, um, the Sox have a better chance of of making the playoffs. All second place teams will make the playoffs, and then you'll have a, a sort of a elimination tournament. Then September 29th through October the second, that is the the team with the higher seed will host all three games. Uh, for the White Sox, they have a better chance, especially being a AL Central. We all know that the Minnesota Twins are the favorites. But as we said before, when we had James Fox from FutureSox.com on during our last podcast, watch out for Cleveland. Even though it's a 60-game season, they could cause some damage. Even if they do start off a little shaky, they can cause damage as well. So it's not going to be as easy for the White Sox, but they do have a better shot. Now on the north side with the Cubs, it's going to be a tougher road because look at the teams in your division already: Milwaukee, St. Louis, Cincinnati is, is picked to be a are picked to be a surprise team according to many. So just looking at it right there, just battling for the division is going to be tough. But as a wild card, 
it's going to be even tougher. Look over in the NL East, assuming that the Braves will win that division or the Nationals. You still have, you still have those two teams. You have the Phillies, you know, new manager, Joe Girardi. He won't let those players quit. And out in the AO, in the NL West, uh, maybe Arizona, if they can get their act together. I know some people are picking them to be one of the surprise teams this year. So if you're the Cubs, uh, Odds are stacked against you, not just for the division, but for the wild card as well. Just look at the, the potential of those teams I just mentioned. You had to climb over about four or five, maybe six teams to get a wild card spot. It's not impossible, but it's a much tougher role compared to the Sox. Where things happen, though, when especially – was it we just – this is going to be very unpredictable because this is only a 60-game mm-hmm. season. So this might be sort of like a literally a dogfight, like who gets those last – wild card spot so I mean Cincy I know there's a big you know there's a big buzz about Cincy they've got the pitch they got the young pitch pitching I mean you know their hitting's getting better I just don't think they're ready yet um mostly Milwaukee is. we'll see where St. Louis is I think the Cubs have a shot to be right there in the division same thing with the Sox I think it's gonna be between those three like you mentioned you know the Twins the Indians and the White Sox because I just think that, you know, Cleveland's going to want to probably, this is sort of like their last, we talk about the Cubs' last dance, this is going to be probably the Indians' for sort of like last shot because the owner there has had made no secret that he needs to dump salary. So they may use this as motivation, sort of like, you know, let, let's try to win this sort of like, you know, like right off into the sunset for some of these players. Also Minnesota, look, we know Minnesota can hit. I mean, they're, 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 mm-hmm. their bullpen's a little bit shaky too. That, that's kind of what killed them last year in the playoffs, but it's going to be very interesting, though, and I, and I think, look, there's going to be, like, literally a dogfight, especially in the other division, you get the, the AL East, I mean, we'll see where the Red Sox and Blue Jays are to challenge the Yankees. In the West, I mean, look, I mean, the, the West is sort of one of those divisions where Houston, you got to think there's going to be a lot of, you know, listen, they, they got hit a couple of times during those scrimmages, <laughs> so... I'm sure we'll still look. Those folks have not forgotten about that, so we'll see how how that goes there. I mean, the West. I mean, it's basically the Dodgers and everybody else. I mean, we'll see where the Rockies are, the Diamondbacks. Uh, back to the AL East. I mean, we'll see where Toronto is. I mean, Toronto. They finally have a home. They're going to be playing their AAA affiliate in Buffalo. They finally have a home. They're going to be playing their home games this year. So that that's a, sort of a last minute scramble. So. I mean, look. This is going to be a very interesting sort of race, especially. If especially the way this is going to be this is set up, like we've been saying, Sid, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm like, if if you think you know what's going to happen, you probably don't. That's that's which is sort of like how this year has been been so far. <laughs> yeah, I can't agree with you more, Lakina. I know that the Yankees and Dodgers are favored by many to meet each other in the World Series. I know that's what baseball wants, and I know that's what they wanted the last few years, but. Like you said, I, I hope there's a whole lot of chaos, and I hope my team is involved in it on the other side in the positive light. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, like you say, if you think those two if those two teams happen to meet, so be it. But I wouldn't put any money on it. Like like you said, it's a shortened season. I hope we will never experience anything like this again. But it's a uh, it's a sprint to the finish, and anything can happen. Injuries can happen, including people having uh, a bit catching this virus. Uh, other things can happen as well. Uh, going on long, losing strings that you can uh, snap out of it, out of an instant. Uh, it, it's going to be crazy. I hope there's chaos uh, this year. Not in terms of uh, being negative in terms of injuries, but as far as far as uh, potential surprising teams uh, coming up and challenging some of these big teams. I just hope there's a bunch of chaos this year. <laughs> well, listen, it'll make the baseball season even more interesting than it is. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Make it even more fun, which will be good for us, for us to talk about, and for everybody else to talk about. So it's going to be – this is going to be very – this is going to be so much fun. Um, did you watch the um, – those any, either one of those games, or were you able to watch the highs of those games from last night? Oh, yeah, I watched both of, the ga- both of those games. Um, the first game with the Yankees and Nationals, John Carlos Stanton is back. Hopefully he can stay healthy. Uh, the Bronx Bombers proved to uh, match up to their nickname. Uh, from, from the years past, so that that lineup is tremendous. Uh, Matt Scherzer, on the other hand, for the Nationals, did pitch well. It was a range-shortened game. It ended in uh, five-and-a-half innings, but he pitched the whole game for Washington, had 11 strikeouts on the other side for the Yankees. Garrett Cole, which he didn't look too bad. Of course, he was given a cushion with his thanks to the offense. He had five strikeouts, so 
of the Yankees were the Yankees last night in Washington. They really missed Juan Soto, who, if many that don't know, you've been living on the rock. He missed last night's game due to uh, a positive test for COVID-19. So he's going to be out of a while. He needs two negative tests consecutively before he rejoins his teammates. Yeah, and he's asymptomatic. And he said, listen, I mean, he he wasn't showing any symptoms, but, you know, of course, they, they, you know, you're supposed to quarantine yourself. You know, you do it as a precaution. Um, they, they did really did miss him. I, I watched a little bit of it, too, and you can tell they really did miss him last night. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully, you know, he's feeling better. And, well, actually, he's asymptomatic, so I'm sure he's, he's feeling fine. But like you said, said, I mean, he needs two negative tests before he can rejoin the team. So we'll, we'll see what, what happens there. Hopefully he can rejoin the team soon. As far as the Giants-Dodgers game, I mean, the Dodgers are on a mission. That's all. I mean, they're, they're on a mission. I mean, especially after what's happened the last couple of years that the teams they competed against in the World Series cheated, <laughs> if, if you will. So, so I mean, they're, they're on a mission. And, you know, having Mookie Betts there and also like they, he's, they signed up to a new contract, a huge contract. We'll talk, we can talk about that in a little bit, Sid. But, I mean, the Dodgers look really good. And I, and I have to say that, look, look out for the Dodgers because they're, 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 like, they're ready. They're coming at you and they're going to be – you know, you're ready to go, and you know, they look like I said. They, they, I don't know if they're gonna go undefeated. I'm not. I don't think they're gonna win like 50. <laughs> don't be surprised if they do win like 50 or 55 games. I'm not saying that they will, but don't be surprised. Yeah, they're team. This has been the case for the uh, the boys for eight years consecutive, consecutively. Uh, manager Dave Roberts. Uh, I know some people want to put him on a hot especially after what happened last year, losing to the now um, world champion Nationals in the first round. Of course, the previous two years they lost in the World Series. Uh, it's World Series of boss, like you said, Lakina, and, and that's what I'm concerned with if, I, if I'm a Dodger fan. Uh, you could do a whole lot during the regular season, but when it comes to the playoffs, this is what counts. I know that Clayton Kershaw is currently under, on the injury list as of this podcast. But uh, they still have depth within the minor league system. They have depth up and down the roster. You look at Kiki Hernandez, who had a big home run last night. You look at Justin Turner, the, uh, the third baseman. He's been a clutch player throughout his whole Dodgers career. So, uh, like you said, they're stacked. But I'm more concerned about what they do come crunch time, i.e. during the playoffs. Which will be very interesting and important. Thing. Now let's talk about Boogie Betts' contract. I mean, talk about a monster contract. I mean, and, you know, the fact that he was able to kind of, you know, sign for so much money and so many years, I think you people wonder, like, how are the Dodgers able to get this money? Because you're hearing Tom Ricketts, who's the Cubs owner, say that, well, this is, you know, they're in the hole and this is, you know, sort of epic. But then the Dodgers come out and <laughs> not say that Boogie Betts doesn't deserve it, but he, you know, he was able to mm-hmm. sign that big, you know, contract extension. So, what do you think about that? What do you think about all this stuff? And what's it going to mean for Chris Bryant? Here's the thing. Some teams are crying poor because they don't want to pay uh, certain guys. And I get that. But on the flip side, uh, this is uh, some teams uh, lying and they, and, they got, and they got caught with their pants down. But excuse the expression. But on the flip side, uh, you don't, I, I cannot blame the players. Is that, uh, that's what they ask for. And the teams are, are are offering these contracts. I would take it as well. I heard some people nationally saying that Moogie Betts didn't deserve the contract because he's he's not the best player in baseball. And I said, hey, if you're a professional athlete, one of the main reasons why you got into this is because you want to uh, be financially secure. And so uh, I don't blame Moogie Betts or any other player who takes deals like this. If the teams are offering it to you, you take it. So and Moogie Betts is one of the best young players in baseball. And I heard some people say he can set the trend of bringing in more African-American players to the game of baseball because we all know that the, num- the number one and number two sports in our community, especially, is basketball and football. So in baseball, which was number one in our community, even after Jackie Robinson, even after the Negro release were dispersed, uh, baseball was still popular. But, you know, it's taken a backseat over the last, I'd say, 40, 50 years. So – but as far as Betts is concerned, I think he'll do well for the Dodgers. He'll, they'll have him through the prime of his career, but the back end of his, uh, of his career, uh, they will regret, but they don't have to worry about that till later. 
No, they don't. <laughs> I don't know if people are compared it to the Albert Pujols contract that he signed with mm-hmm. the Angels a few years back, and we were seeing what happened there. But look, they've been able to kind of move money around. They're, they're still stacked. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see how this contract, you know, how this contract plays out. And look, like you said, Sid, I mean, Mookie Best is one of the top players in the league, and you need faces to promote your sports, especially, particularly like you just said, mm-hmm. in the African-American community. I mean, the uh, the participation in, in baseball among African Americans is down. It has been down for like the last, I would say, what would you agree? What would you like maybe 15, 20 years or something like that? Yeah. Maybe even longer. Yeah. So you need you need stars like Boogie Betts, especially in big markets, to kind of help sell your sport to the inner city, especially because you got a lot of these coaches, a lot of these scouts that don't want to go to inner cities because they feel like there's nobody playing baseball. So having Mookie Betts, having Tim Anderson, who, who you know, you'll got to love his personality, and Jason mm-hmm. Hayward and, and some, and among others, having those guys play at high level without having them play in big markets, I think you need that because, look, you're, you're, listen, your television ratings have dropped. The average, I think, is like 58 now. It was 55 a mm-hmm. couple of years ago. So you need, you know, people like Mookie Betts. You need, you know, people like Mike Trout. You know, nobody knows you – know, people forget where, what team he plays for because, you know, he plays all the way out in, in with the Southern California Angels of Anaheim, Los Angeles. I mean, I don't yeah, – Yeah, yeah, even though Orange County is part of Los Angeles, it has its own area. So, like you said, people forget. And plus, the Angels had a have been having a lack of success over the last uh, 20 years. I know their last World Series title was in 2002 when they defeated the San Francisco Giants. But – during Mike Trout's time there in Anaheim, only one playoff appearance, and that was in 2014 when they lost to the Royals, who lost in the World Series that year. Of course, that team came back, um, speaking of the Royals, and won the World Series the next year. So he only has one playoff appearance on his resume. And obviously, that's not all his fault, but it's the management's fault for giving bad contracts to the players around him and the lack of starting pitching. Exactly, which has been a big issue. So we'll see if the Eagles can challenge the AL West. I mean, they got Shohei Otani now, you know, he's back and, you know, fit. So we'll see what he does. But back to Mookie Betts and that contract. $365 million, I mean, look, they'll probably regret it in about, like you said, about five or five to seven years. They'll probably regret that that contract. But I think right now, like you, like you said, Sid, I mean, you need, you need that sort of promotion for baseball because especially this is the perfect opportunity to, to sort of do that, start promoting your, your star players more. And speaking of promotion – Mookie Betts is in the perfect situation with Los Angeles Dodgers, one of the premier franchises in baseball. And assuming he wins a World Series or two, that's going to raise that prof- his profile in that profile of that organization that much more. And hopefully uh, baseball can, can help bring the younger o- audience in, especially uh, with African-Americans in particular, especially we'll talk about this right now. They, um, during the whole Black Lives Matter movement with the with the um, black bands you saw doing both the pregame ceremonies do both uh, during both of those games from Thursday night, and also they uh, trying to fight for racial um, justice as well. So, Mookie Betts can can play a huge role here, and and assuming that he he lives up to his part of the, the contract, hopefully you can bring more fans in, especially younger fans, because baseball has been having a a problem for a long time, especially during this age of social media and bringing in younger fans. Well, and also, if you saw last night, both the Yankees and the Nationals, the whole teams took a knee. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, at the Dodgers game, I, I know you saw Gabe Kepler and a couple of the players for the Giants. They did it for an exhibition game. They did it last night. Mookie Betts did it last night for the Dodgers. So it seems like baseball, like all the other leagues, are becoming more progressive in this. I mean – Hopefully they start initially. Like, look, I've been calling for for the last couple of years. Curtis Granderson, get him involved to try to sort of try to kind of grow the mm-hmm. participating baseball among the African among African Americans. I think that'll that'll help a lot. And because if not, I mean, NBA, the NFL, college sports, they're gonna they're gonna sort of pass ahead of you guys. So they need to kind of baseball needs to kind of get with the program here. How about asking Torrey Hunter? I know he's he's a oh, broadcaster yeah, for the Twins now. I know he's been outspoken over the last few years as far as the lack of a participation for African-American players in Major League Baseball. So I ask him as well. Yeah. Yeah. He's another, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's another guy. I forgot about Torrey Hunter. Sorry, Torrey. Love you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, look, yeah they, look, I think another guy, they're about the same. I think Torrey's a little bit older than Curtis. But, yeah, 
those those are two names right there who just recently retired. Both are well respected and were both great players. So yeah, why not? Why not ask the two of them to kind of see, especially like you said, Tori's been very vocal about it. So look, this is the time. Baseball. I mean, look, I saw on the, the Ray Tampa Bay Ray social media. I don't know who does it, but they tweeted that you know today is op- not only open a day. I'm paraphrasing what they said, but today it's not only open a day, but there's another day where you know let, let's arrest the murderers of Breonna Taylor. Of course, we all know. Yeah, it's all that. Yeah. Yeah. So this is so I don't know. I don't know who their social media person is, but that was very well. That that was yeah. That was definitely powerful because you usually don't see teams tweet tweet that kind of stuff to kind of stay away from like the social stuff, but you're seeing seeing these social media teams sort of putting more content out there, you know, showing their players protesting and their, their coaches and their managers. So it, it's great to see. Yeah, it is. And it's all about reaching a younger fan base and, and keeping to worrying and seeing what you're going to do as far as putting work in to help fight racial injustice and serving your, this is part of a, a community reach out community organizing. We'll see what these teams to, can do. I know Theo Epstein, the general manager of the Cubs at, um, um, he, uh, I'm just paraphrasing here. He said that he'll help out his players, back his players uh, up to do whatever they can to help change within their community. I know the White Sox are doing a great job uh, of doing that as well, you know, um, saying Black Lives Matter. And they always put work in the community. So we just have to see which teams can back up their words because everybody put out a statement when the whole George Floyd murder happened. Uh, we're going to do diversity training. Uh, we're going to hire more minorities and things along that line. Some organizations have led that to their world. Some others have been MIA. But we'll see what happens. As I said, change doesn't happen overnight. It does take time. So we'll see who backs up their words and who doesn't. Put your money where your put your money where your mouth is, as they say. There you so, go. so well, again, like you said, we'll see. So well, anything based on you know, baseball related that you you know, that's, you know, burning your ears that you want to talk about? Uh, I just want to see how the starting pitching will translate to all these teams as opening day is, uh, is among us, and how will these bullpens be used by these teams? Because as as I predicted, we had Russell Dorsey on a couple of weeks ago, now Cubs beat writer for, <laughs> for the Chicago Sun-Times. I think you're going to see off uh, run scored, at, not saying at a record pace, but close to it, because as we said before, it takes time in a normal year for uh, hitters to warm up now since we're at the end of July and opening day is here. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the offense has a leg up, perhaps two legs up on, on starting pitching for sure. So we'll see how many high-scoring games we'll see throughout this first couple weeks of the season. Well, last night was an indication. <laughs> Don't be surprised you see like 10, 15 runs scored for some of these games these these first couple of weeks because I'm sure like these yeah. hitters are – these hitters going to want to get into it, and we'll see how the, the pitching is, and we'll see how the local teams do. And some yeah. good news as before we – no, go ahead, Sid. Okay, just one quick question before we move on. And I thought of this this morning. Will, uh, will we see a no-hitter this year? Not counting playoffs, but will we see a no-hitter this year, even though it's a shortened 60-game season? I'm going to go ahead and answer first. I will say no. Yeah, it's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard, especially the way, you know, everything's set up, the way that the pitching rotation is going to be set up. It's going to be very hard for any team to hit a no-hitter, unless unless somebody's, like, in the zone and just, like, you know what, throws heaters and, you know, dirty stuff after another. It's going to be very hard, so I'm going to say no as well. Okay. And also some good news for our Cubs fan friends, you know, like our buddy Jason. The Marquee Network have a, finally agreed to a deal with Xfinity customers, so – as of I think what seven a.m. this morning, Friday, as of we yeah as of this recording, that I think it's on two o two if I'm not mistaken. I don't I don't have Xfinity, but I think it's on two o two. Yeah, we have X. Yeah, yeah, we have. Like I said, I have Xfinity, so I woke up this morning a little bit after eight o'clock as of this recording. Uh, it's on channel two o two in HD, and so um, they were replaying the Cubs championship rally from twenty sixteen. And they had Cubs 360 on as well. Of course, uh, this deal was struck late Thursday night. So for all you Cubs fans that have Xfinity, you'll get to see your Cubs in action just in time to watch the whole opener against the Milwaukee Brewers and also all the other games that, um, that are going to be broadcast on that network as well, barring the national broadcast 
from Fox to ESPN. Of course, uh, Lane Casper and, and Jim DeShays will be your broadcasters. Taylor McGregor is their new uh, field reporter. Also, Cole Wright from the NFL Network. You used to be with the NFL Network. He's going to be the studio host. Of course, you're going to see analysts Rick Sutcliffe, uh, Lou Pinella, and I think Chris Myers from Fox Sports yep. is going to be doing some filling work as well uh, outside of his Fox NFL Sunday duty. So uh, they have a pretty good lineup over there. Over there. So I'm interested to see how uh, it's going to work out. I'll definitely be tuning in for sure. Hopefully we can get a couple of those people on this show. Yeah, hopefully. And uh, interesting that the, the ESPN, they announced that all their commentators are going to be doing their stuff from a studio in Bristol. They're not mm-hmm. going to be. They're not going to be in the, the the ballpark. So maybe maybe like the reports will probably be the ballparks, but that's pretty much about it. I mean, I know people feel it's going to be kind of weird, but look, they've been doing it in soccer for many years. I mean, I remember when I first started watching the Premier League. I mean, they would they would you know, and they still do it in some cases. They do it in a studio, and they're mm-hmm. they have fees like all the way out in England, Germany, and France and such. So look, this is just something we're going to have to get used to, and. Look, you couldn't tell the difference last night listening to Matt Beskers and A-Rod on the call for the for the Nationals-Yankees game. I mean, I, 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 I forgot who did the um, Giants-Dodgers game last night, but, yeah, it's going to be oh, – They had Carl Ravitch. He was in Bristol. Tim Kirchner was in, I he think, was Baltimore, Baltimore, I think. Baltimore. I know, Baltimore. And, Perez, and Perez, he was in Florida. So, yeah. you couldn't tell unless they had uh, the three-man shot uh, with them broadcasting from different locations across the country. Right. So, look, this is probably going to be what we're going to be seeing for, you know, for a lot, all these sports. Maybe probably not even just, you know, baseball. I'm sure it's probably going to be happening in the NBA. Well, no, I think, they, I think they're going to be in the bubble. We'll talk about, we'll talk about the NBA in a little bit. But, mm-hmm. uh, again, this is probably going to be what we're going to be used to seeing. So, I guess the fans are just going to have to get used to it, guys. Yeah, like you said, for the rest of the year, at least. <laughs> yeah. So, part of the new world, folks. Um, all right. Um, let's talk – I mean, do you want to take a break first, Sid, or do you want to talk NFL, or do you want like... Uh, let's take a short timeout. Okay. Sounds cool. We'll, we'll take... take a 20-second timeout. Yeah. You're listening to Second City Sports on Zoom. I'm Sid the Kid, along with Lakina McGee. This is Second City Sports, Zoom style. We'll be right back. Thanks. All right, All right folks. Welcome back to Second City Sports, Zoom style. Zoom style is the second half. Ah, uh, yes, it is. So I'm Lakina McGee. You can follow me at Keena McGee on Twitter, at Keena Sore McGee on the Insta. You can follow me on Twitter at SidKid80 and Instagram at SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0 for both Twitter and Instagram. All right. So a lot of stuff's been happening. Excuse me, in the NFL. That's supposed to, rookies are actually supposed to be coming on, I think, Monday, and the vet is supposed to be coming in later next week. But there have been some issues with some of, like, how the, the COVID testing and, you know, the protocols and whatnot. Tom, Tom Pelissero, who's a great reporter for NFL Network and NFL.com, he's been on it since the jump. He said this was this morning. He has, As NFL has pushed for a deal for tomorrow, which is Saturday, as of this recording, the Player Association Board of Representatives, Representatives has a call scheduled for this afternoon. Probably mean as we speak, issues still resol- unresolved include economics, opt-out, acclimation period, tolling, and but there are but the negotiations are active, and the reps need to sign off. So, what do you think about all this sort of last-minute sort of negotiating? I'm sure many of these issues will get hammered out because that's what happened with the training camp dates, correct? Yes. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if this this comes down to to the eleventh hour. That's how most things get done. Now, as far as training camps are concerned, I know that the rookies for the Texans and the Chiefs are already reported earlier this week. I know that the veterans are supposed to report over the weekend. Of course, everybody else is supposed to report early next week. But outside of that, uh, we all know that the preseason, uh, the entire preseason schedule has been canceled, as we told you guys before, and no one gets paid off these preseason games except for the owners. So uh, I think this was a smart move only because you got to get the players used to uh, the testing and acclimation to social distancing and being precautious as you can as far as practicing is concerned. As far as this year is concerned, uh, the way you practice uh, years before, as far as, as far as this year, 
that's not going to happen. You're not going to allow everyone in the building per se. So uh, it's going to take time for these teams to adjust and to get to uh, these safety precautions. So it's going to take time. And, and I think uh, if you threw the preseason games in there, it will have disrupted things. So I heard Carl, uh, Kyle Rudolph, excuse me, the tight end of the Minnesota Vikings, entering his 10th season this year. He said uh, to the media the other day, going into um, to the facilities of the Vikings, he said, I know it's going to stink for a lot of guys that want to try to, they were trying to make the team, but if this uh, canceling the preseason keeps us safe and is uh, help us get on track to start week one on time, then I'm all for it. And I'm, I kind of look at it at that way as well. I kind of knew that this was coming, but as, as I said before, I thought that we were going to have football to start on time. And uh, so far, I'm not backing off of that. Uh, as we said before, Lakina, things are not going to be the same for the rest of this year. So you have to have contingency plans for the players first. Safety comes first. Yes, the money is going to be there. We all know why they're doing it, but because money's on the line. But if there's not a contingency plan and a safety plan for these players, uh, things should not proceed. So this is just another example right here. Yeah, I mean, I, I look, I, I know that those preseason games are really more for those late-round guys or practice mm -hmm. squad guys. So you feel bad for them, like how they're going to be able to oppress their players like they do like the virtual workouts, depending on how they're going to set up training camp. That might be the only way to go. Um, I mean, I, I, listen, I'm, I'm with Kyle on, on, on this one as well. I mean, look, if you want to start on time now, will they play a full 16 game season? That's, that's another thing that we're going to, that they're going to have to worry about. The one thing the NFL has had on its side has been time, but now since it's getting closer and unfortunately, the COVID cases are not decreasing, they're going to have to do these type of precautions. So hopefully they can kind of figure out all this, perhaps, you know, even before, you know, I mean, there are, like you said, I mean, you know, the Texans and who else, the, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Chiefs, the Chiefs have already, they've already started their, their camps already. And seems like so far so good, at least from what I can tell from some of the, the tweets and some of the photos that have come out. So look, if this is going to be, look, we had our, our buddy Mark Grody on, on Monday, and look, he said that he doesn't know if he's going to even be. They're going to even allow him on the sidelines this year, you know, in the Bears sidelines. And we'll, I'm sure it's going to mm -hmm. be like that for all their teams. So it's going to be interesting to see how all that's going to be set up. So this is something that they're all going to have to figure out. Are we going to have, you know, TV and radio people are going to be in the stadiums because that's a lot of people. Yeah. Are they going to have some that are going to be? You know, are there going to be reporters like like? Mark and also our good, another good our good friend of ours, Dion Miller. Are they going to be allowed on the sidelines or Lauren Screen, who does stuff for the you know with the team as well? Mm -hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see how all this is gonna, they're going to be able to set up all this. So are they going to have to do like from a distance? Are they even going to allow people on the sidelines to have players and maybe the personnel? So this is going to be this is going to be like a whole new thing here for this year. Yeah, and, and speaking of, of of change, I don't know if you read this morning or yesterday, like, you know, the Chicago Bears, this news has actually been out for a while, but they, they made it official of this uh, uh, taping of this podcast, that they're refunding um, their fans of their 2020 season tickets if they're not allowed to have fans uh, in Soldier Field this year. I know other teams, according to, in other states, uh, because other states are different, I know Jacksonville said that they can, uh, they're going to allow fans in there. Of course, they're in Florida. You know, Florida's been a hotbed for everything else. But uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, they said that their fans can come into the stadium this year, but it's going to be at 20% capacity. Uh, MetLife Stadium in New Jersey, that's the home for the New York Jets and the New York Giants. Uh, the, uh, I forget who the governor of New Jersey is. He said that uh, Murphy, governor there will be no Murphy. Yeah, yeah. There will be no fans as of right now this year for both of those teams. Uh, the city of Philadelphia, the Pennsylvania governor, said that there will be no fans in Philadelphia this year in, yeah. in the Lincoln Financial Field. Maybe in a way that's a good thing because we all know that Philly fans are crazy and <laughs> that's another word I cannot use for this podcast, but they're crazy. So maybe that, that's a good thing for that city. <laughs> but uh, uh, here in Chicago where we broadcast it from, I would like to see fans in the stands, but if Governor Pritzker and Mayor Lori Lightfoot can't uh, agree on it, and then that that's uh, the, that's the word, then we uh, the, um, the Bears and nobody else can't do anything about it. So 
uh, I, I can see that it, it, I know some people want to have a uniformity, whether you're going to have fans in there or not, but it's governed by different states because, as we said before, in some of these states, uh, the COVID cases are rising. Well, in states like ours, it's been slightly rising, but not to the level of those states that like Arizona, California, and Texas. So uh, uh, the NFL is just like all the, uh, the NFL in, in baseball, leaving up to the individual states. But it seems like in, in the MLB, there's no, there will be no fans all across the board. So there's some quote-unquote uniformity there. But in the NFL, it looks like to me they're going to leave it up to the individual states. Well, Mark Davis, who's the Raiders owner, Las Vegas owner, has said that, look, I'm not coming if the, our fans are not allowed. So, but look, you may not have a choice, Mr. Davis. I mean, I'm sure, look, I'm sure if your dad was still with, the, if your dad, Al, was still with, I'm sure he'll have, a, he would have a lot to say about it. But I think even he will admit that, no, you, you can't be having fans in the stands. And mm-hmm. like he said, I mean, look, Governor Newsom out in California, he's already said, nope, there's not gonna, you're not going to have any fans in these arenas and these stadiums that's not happening uh i'm sure i think the washington governor i'm talking about washington state governor mm-hmm. i think you know has said the same thing so yeah this is gonna look like i like i said i mean this will probably be more we'll see what texas will see what they do i mean they're probably gonna be the only state that'll probably be able they'll probably let fans in but maybe it's like maybe 20 to 25 percent so look, yeah, look this is gonna be very interesting to see but again, I wouldn't be surprised if you know Goodell sort of steps in and say, "Look, okay, if some state, if most states are going to be able to have fans, you guys shouldn't have fans." I mean, I'm just just saying so. Yeah, that would make sense. But like you said, uh, it's different. We're learning new information about this virus every day, so things can change within a month. So we shall see. Also, the Green Packers announced before the preseason was entirely canceled that they weren't going to have any fans in Lambeau Field anyway. Uh, they were going to have allowed some fans at 20% capacity once the regular season starts. So, but like you said, we, we have a little bit over a month now before the regular season starts. This the entire preseason is canceled. So maybe things will improve when you'll start letting fans in in week one. But as of right now, in, in most of these NFL cities, the, as of right now, there will be no fans allowed outside the state of Florida. And maybe even Texas too. So, yeah, yeah everywhere else, I mean, We'll see if there's a uniformity. There should be, but, you know, look, again, that makes, that makes too much sense, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> as, always, as always say, common sense makes no sense with some people. Yeah, but unfortunately. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. But uh, anything else NFL-wise that's got, got your blood pumping? Uh, yeah, well, since there's no preseason, the anticipation for the uh, opening weekend of the regular season grows that much more. And one thing that I'm worried about, and I know we're going to talk about this more as we lead into the regular season opener, which I assume will start on time. Uh, we all know that a few coaches in this league, like Sean Payton of the New Orleans Saints, Bill Belichick or Bill Belichick of the <laughs> New England Patriots, uh, they treat September like the preseason, just uh, get out of there with a 500 record, then we'll take off from the month of October and they're on. But I think it's only so much they're going to do with the uh, uh, special safety precautions this year for training camp. I, I, I hope that this doesn't happen, but you may see a whole lot more injuries than usual. We just won't see it in training, training camp, but you might see it in the first four or five weeks of the season, assuming that the NFL season starts on time. That's my concern. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either with that because they haven't been able to do any OTAs. You know, They haven't had any mm-hmm. other preseason workouts, so... I mean, injuries might be a big concern here. Not and, not, and I'm not saying COVID related, but I'm I'm saying like mm-hmm. injuries, like you know, knees and you know, hamstrings, mm-hmm. yeah, and hamstrings and such, because mm-hmm. you don't know how these guys are. Gonna, you know, you haven't been able to keep an eye on these guys because you know, they haven't had any OTAs, they haven't had any off-season training, or, or you haven't been able to do anything with the rookies. So some of these guys might, yeah, some will probably have like these big gyms and you know these nice, you know, they have their own trainers, but. Some guys don't have that. So, like we've been saying to you know, various people that we've had on this this podcast, it's going to be interesting to see, like, how everybody, you know, looks. You know, or some guys will some guys be out of shape or will some guys be fit? And and with that, will you know, with the former, will it cause more injuries? Yeah, that's, that's one of the things we should look out for in the, in the weeks ahead leading up to the regular season opener. So, 
That's one of the things we have to look out for. Hopefully, with that, there being no preseason games, maybe this will be the time. This people, you know, the teams can use the time that if guys, you know, if there are some guys that have kind of let themselves go because of this, maybe they can use this time to kind of get back in shape. We'll see. Mm-hmm. All right, in the NBA, they started their scrimmages this week. Yay! Um, Yay. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, th- I know Dallas and the Lakers played um, last night. I think Port. I think Portland and I forgot who they played, but uh, there have been some, I know Denver played uh, someone as well. So what do you think? Have you seen some of these scrimmages? Do you like the way how it's set up in this little NBA bubble? Yeah, I saw bits and pieces because I know it's uh, exhibition season. So I, I didn't watch the, the entirety of those games, but uh, looking on the court first, uh, uh, Black Lives Matter is written on the top of the center uh, court floor and so as the NBA said and they are committed to uh, contributing to that movement and we all know that the players are proactive in that league so and progressive in that league so I'm not surprised by that right there. Uh, looking at the scores table where the scoreboard operators are seated usually seated at court side they're separated by glass from both the, uh, the opposing team's benches and they're separated by a glass. And of course, uh, I think it was during the Lakers-Dallas game yesterday. Uh, they had a replay. Uh, usually they go to the replay monitor, which is at the scores table. It, it's still there, but the replay monitor, monitor is, is, seated, is seated separately. It's in its own glass bubble. And, and the referees, I noticed, they don't have to wear masks, but the scores table operators and I believe the trainers and I think the assistant coaches as well have, have they all had to wear masks. So uh, the NBA, at least in terms of safety precautions, they have it uh, the perfect setup so far. And also, I think I think their TV people are there. I believe I know uh, Marv Albert. You know, they're you know he's almost eighty. He's not going to be there. Excuse me, Huey Huey Brown in his is. He's in his age, but he's not going to be there either. So they're going to see a lot of like, younger people there. So it's going to be interesting to see how the announced booth is going to be set up because I know that I know there's going to be like plexiglass in between. So mm-hmm. that that's you know that that's going to be an, a weird sort of sight. But again, it's something that is necessary. And we saw if you if you guys saw the uh, some of those uh, exhibition games, you saw that some of them had virtual fans and. It was just tweeted, um, Ben Gulliver, who is the NBA writer for the Post, the Washington Post, just tweeted that this is how the TV broadcast is going to look if you're going to see, like, little monitors, like, about 300 fans. They use, like, a Microsoft uh, software to kind of make those video boards, you know, cheering along in real time. Yeah. I saw that for the Miami Heat exhibition scrimmage. I saw that they had the big, uh, I want to say, the video board behind where the, they had the film all the fans cheering so it, it was like it, they were there but we all know that they weren't right so yeah so it's gonna be it's sort of a, it's sort of I know it's gonna be a weird sight for some people but like I said this is the world that we're gonna be living in for at the very least for the rest of the this year calendar year anyway so I know it looks a little weird I know it's gonna be look a little weird for some when people wa- start watching these games but again this is sort of like I guess it's better than you know watching empty empty chairs but Look, yeah. these leagues are going to have to be creative on how they're going to be able to, 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 you know, to incorporate audience participation without necessarily having an audience. Yeah, and also, too, we talked about this before the show, Lakina, uh, going back to, to uh, the, the team's benches. It's kind of set up like if you watch the, the State of Union address from um, the President of the United States, the assistant coaches and the players, they are grouped together, but they're separated by three to six feet. But it's almost like they, they, uh, they're sitting in this, like, skybox. And, of course, uh, it's, like an, it's like a summer league-type atmosphere. I noticed that the coaches, they can wear polo shirts. They don't have to necessarily wear a suit and ties. And so right. the atmosphere is a little bit different, and the benches are a little bit different. Now, I brought it up to you before the show. If this works, works which I assume that it will, Will there be the no, new uh, normal as far as the bench setup is concerned? I thought it was actually kind of interesting. Yeah, it was it was kind of cool. I mean, look, it was a little weird seeing, you know, some players sort of like six feet distant themselves because you sort of like they're all held yeah. together. But they realized that, look, you know, it's COVID. This is, this is it's, you know, this is COVID, unfortunately. So now you have to mm-hmm. kind of like separate yourself. But I like it. I know, I know in soccer, some of those soccer leagues in Europe, that's how some of their 
their stands are set up with the, with their reserve players. So, you know, if you're if you're used to seeing that, I mean, this is sort of not this is not new for me or any other soccer fan who's been watching that kind of stuff for years. I know for a lot of our American American sports fans, look look at me what I'm saying like I'm British or something, but <laughs> but you guys know what I mean. You guys know what I mean. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, this is not this they they do this in year in Europe with their with their uh, soccer soccer league. So this is not for for for. Most American sports fans, it's going to be a very new setup. For those of who have watched soccer for years, it isn't. So you're probably going to be seeing it. You might be seeing this kind of setup. Maybe, I don't, I don't know, it's going to be hard doing it in football because you got so many players. But mm. I think basketball, you could, you could do it. Maybe baseball, maybe you should start doing it because even though you're in the dugout, you're still, you're still kind of close in some respects. You're not doing the whole six feet, at least six feet thing. So this might, this might be the kind of stuff that people will encourage from now on, at least for right now. And going back to baseball for a minute, Lakina, I don't know if you paid attention, but after Kiki Hernandez uh, delivered his home run for the Dodgers in that 6-1 victory over the San Francisco Giants, when he crossed home plate, uh, did you notice that he high-fived a couple of people for the, uh, his other teammates They couldn't do it because I know they were told not to do that because of the safety uh, precautionary reasons. So I kind of noticed that in Adam Eden former White Sox player now with the world champion Nationals. Uh, he usually uh, when players hit a home run, they tag the first base, high five the first base coach and the third base coach before yeah. they cross home plate. Adam Eaton, oh, I can't do that crossing the crossing third base. That uh, he uh, purposely missed uh, the hand of the third base coach. So it's <laughs> something. Uh, some of those gestures that they they are that baseball players are used to. They have to get used to not doing most of those things, at least for the rest of this year. Yeah, it's gonna be hard because, you know, I know that's sort of like a, a like a tradition. Like you, you high five the first and third base coaches, so you're probably gonna have to maybe do the elbow thing. Maybe yeah, I don't. Maybe I saw the, a lot of elbows. Yeah, doing yeah. a whole lot of elbows and yeah, and shoulder it, bumps there. So yeah, like air high fives and whatnot. You know, it won't yeah. look. It doesn't look silly now, but uh, yeah, look, look. I mean. This is something we're going to be seeing. I mean, look, whoever ends up winning the title for the NBA, I'm sure there's not, they're not going to be able to do too much high-fiving very much. So uh, it's going to be interesting. We have uh, champagne celebrations. That's the question for all your sports. Ah, yeah. That's maybe a good question. Will you have champagne celebrations in all your sports? Because I know in locker rooms, especially in the NFL, you, you're supposed to be separated by six feet. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, are you going to do... I haven't thought about that. Lysol and vinegar, maybe? I mean, maybe vinegar, since it's not too toxic. <laughs> I mean, look, look, you'll let him smell uh, like a... I'm selling our alleged president in office right now. <laughs> well, I mean, look, look, but actually, vinegar is actually not that bad, and it, you know, it's actually not too bad. I mean, you'll, you'll not smell like a salad for maybe for a while, but, you know. <laughs> it's, look, it's, it's safe. It's, it's safe. I mean, it might be the best way to do it. <laughs> It's like it's kind of like champagne with all the sparkly stuff. I mean, it's fine, but yeah. Yeah, but, smelling like Dalton Island dressing. Yay! Or you might have a ranch. Oh, that's gonna be that's gonna leave a mess. though. ranch dress. That's gonna that's gonna be a big mess. <laughs> Italian dressing. Ooh, that's gonna. Well, oh, champagne vinegar. There you go. We just look. Yeah. I just thought of something. Champagne vinegar. Yes, champagne and the vinegar. Look, no sparkly, but it, it's still it's still still it still works. Just a hey, you heard it here first. <laughs> just a thought. Hello. <laughs> just a thought. But uh, yeah, like I said, this will be interesting how they how these teams will be able to celebrate. Um, for the college ranks, um, Brett McMurphy uh, Stadium. We t- we talked about him these last few weeks. He's reporting that Notre Dame will be joining the ACC for football for the fall. That's. I mean, look, we 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 listen, we we all we talked about it. You know, we talked about it with Jason on Monday. Because mm-hmm. it's probably the most logical thing for them to do, because they, they, they don't really don't have nothing. Because they can't play USC this year, uh, they're not going to be able to play Navy this year either. So they may not have. They have six or seven um, ACC games, so they may not have a choice but to go that route. Yeah, I guess they won't be getting that money for NBC this year. I don't know how they're going to work that out. So, but like like we said before, like, can that also logical choice? I know for years that people wanted Notre Dame to join the Big Ten because. They're regional. You have a lot of, especially a lot of Chicago alums um, that went to Notre Dame. So, like I said, the ACC uh, for this year is a lot of logical choice. Will they stay there permanently? I don't think so. But, uh, like you said, it, it makes sense right here. I, I want to get your thoughts real quick uh, since you have a couple minutes left. 
I was listening to L- uh, LA Sports Radio yesterday, and one of the experts came on and said that the Pac-12 is following the Big Ten with the conference-only schedule. They may push their, which probably will end up happening. They'll pay, push their the the start of their season to mid-September. I think it's the 19th on somewhere around in there, the 12th or the 19th, whenever that Saturday is, and they'll just have a eight or nine game season and they'll go on from there. I think that'll make sense. I think you'll see them more in college football than you do in the pros. I, I'm still I'm still saying that that the NFL is on track to starting on time. I don't think you'll see that in college football, especially if the other three, four uh, power five conferences uh, go to conference only schedules. You would probably have no choice but to start in mid to late September. Well, the NCAA may have something to say about that. They're actually going to be supposed to be meeting, I think, next week to sort of like, I guess, I don't know, I guess like sort of like recommendations or suggestions. I don't know what they're going to do, but okay, so maybe a plan for Power Five. Okay, well, what about the non-Power Five? What about the FCS? Are you going to are you going to push those those you know those uh, schools, particular schools, to spring, or and keep the Power Five just do you know, conference only for a lot of these? So. Look, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I, like I've been saying these last few weeks, I mean, I don't know why the NCAA hasn't been more active in this because, look, I know you guys lost a lot of money and you need to figure out how you're going to be able to recoup that money. So, again, we'll see what they recommend and there may be some definitely some other changes. I mean, look, we saw the SWAC. They are delaying their fall sports. Mm-hmm. I know a couple of other conferences and the FCS, they're delaying their I fall sports. I think the sports. MEAC too. Yeah. Yep, so... I believe, like, the Patriot League, I think they've said they made, they're going to delay their fall sports to spring. So this might be one of those cases where you may be seeing the FCS sort of having this age all to themselves in the springtime. Yeah, uh, like you said before, it all comes down to money in the end, i.e. ESPN. Let's be honest here. They don't want to move their games that, have, that uh, I don't know which ball games will, uh, will be part of the national championship bubble this year, but it's all about not moving those games. As long as they don't move those games, everything else will be fine. Yeah, I mean, look, well, we'll see what the NCAA does next week if they do anything, because, like I said, they've been very quiet about this. I mean, look, I, I don't know. I mean, they've been very sort of stagnant. Like Jason said you know, on Monday, they, you know, they've been very stagnant about this since it's all started. We'll see what they do. I mean, look, the Big 12, you know, look, the Big 12 will be sitting here and say, look, we play everybody anyway. So they're going to, if they go on, I'm sure they're going to do a conference only thing too. So they'll just say, look, we do that anyway. So, hey, it's fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, but yeah, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see what the the non Power Five and what the FCS schools, what they're going to have them, going to have them doing. So, It'll be interesting. And on that note, you can follow me at Keena McGee on Twitter, at Keena underscore McGee on the Insta. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can read all of my articles at weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L-Radio.com. And follow me on Twitter this weekend at SidKid80 because I will be tweeting out all the fun facts and happenings during the White Sox opening weekend series against the Minnesota Twins. Should be fun. I mean, we'll see. It may be like 10 or like 11, 10 scoring or something <laughs> with the, between those two teams. But look, also before we get, we want to thank someone that we've had on our show a couple of times. Also, we just had her on a few weeks ago. Julie Donaldson, she's going to be the new radio voice for the Washington football team. Yeah. She's going to be in charge of, you know, doing, you know, the lead, I guess she's going to be the lead play-by-play person. And look, this is, you know, Look, we know Julie. This is someone who's worked her butt off to get where yeah, she yeah. is. She's worked for many, many years, you know, from the ACC, doing ACC to, um, I think she was in Florida for a little bit. Now she's yeah, in the Miami Heat. Yeah, yep. so she's been all over this country. Yeah, so, and I think this might be more of a PR thing, but I know people are going to say this is more of a PR thing because everything that's been happening these last couple of weeks for Washington. But uh, look, I, I don't think they could have found a better person to sort of like restart this new chapter with the Washington football team. Yeah, she's credible. She's a hard worker. She, she deserves it. If you missed our interview with her from a couple of weeks ago, you can go back uh, on Sega City Sports War on Anchor, which kicks you over to Spotify. And just uh, look for the episode with Julie Donaldson. She's a very intelligent person, uh, very great sports broadcaster. So she's going to do great things for the Washington football team. 
Now, what do you, now what do you think about that, the Washington football team? I mean, they wouldn't be able to just go with Washington football club. I mean, unless I guess that, unless that was taken. <laughs> That was taken, but so what do you th- what do you think about that real quick before we wrap? Well, I know many broadcasters, including yours, really been standing for the last few years, hoping that the name uh, um, now formerly known as the Redskins would change. Now that the that the name is official for this year until they find a new nickname, uh, obviously not, I don't see, see no problem with it. They are the Washington Football Team until they get a new name. Yeah. And look, it was going to be very hard. I mean, they had to do like a lot of scrambling to you know, get rid of those merchandise with the, the old exactly. Redskins name. So it was going to be very hard to, to kind of like, you know, bring out new NFL merchandise with a new nickname. That's going to be a lot. So Washington Football Club, look, it's for right now, look, it's simple. It's easy. You know, they made mm-hmm. the colors a little bit more, the burgundy is a little bit more darker. And so with the gold color, so, you know. It's, and the players and the numbers, uh, jersey numbers of the players will be on the sides of their helmets for this yeah. year as well. Yeah. yeah, so that's a nice, that's a cool little cool little concept here. So, yeah, it, it, it's fine for now. I mean, look, this is, this is only temporary. They've already said this is going to be temporary, so. Exactly. So, yeah, this is just for this year. So, folks, you know, cool your jets. Patience, kids, patience. I know, I know it's hard <laughs> for some of you. But, uh, yeah, so we'll be back on Monday. We're actually going to have, hopefully we'll have um, – uh, uh, NBC Sports Chicago's Jason Goff with us. That's going to be fun. <laughs> oh yeah, you know he's going to have a lot to say on a whole lot of stuff, both on and off the court, and also the Bulls and what the hell are they doing? Or like, I'll I'll, I'll save him for you know, both both Jasons, our Jason and for Jason Goff. So yeah. Oh, and also we also uh we are we as a YouTube channel, so make sure you subscribe. You can you can watch our interviews if you prefer if you're more of a visual person. You can watch our interviews as well as listen to them. So, yes, get used to our beautiful, intelligent faces around here. So we bring it into you like we always do. Yeah. So for Sid, I'm McKean. This has been Second City Sports Zoom style. And we'll see you on Monday with, with the two Jasons. So wash your hands. Go ahead, ahead. Makino. No, 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 no. Wash your hands and stay safe. Happy opening day weekend for baseball. Holla!